Good morning, everyone. Just stand with us. Let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. We are here for you. your breath come from heaven fill our hearts with your life we are here for you we are here for you to you hearts are open nothing here is hidden you are our one your fire fall down. Let our shout be your anthem, your renown. Fill the skies, we are here for you. Yes, we are here for you. Let your word move in power. Let what's dead come alive. We are here for you. Yes, we are here for you. To you our hearts are open. Nothing here is sitting you. Our one desire, and you alone are holy, only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are one desire, and you alone are holy. Worthy God, let your fire fall down. Let it fall. Oh, let it fall. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcome. This place, let every heart adore, let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcomed in this place. We welcome you with praise, we welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcomed in this place. Let every heart adore, let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcomed in this place. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. 
your fire fall down let it fall oh let it fall we welcome you with praise we welcome you with praise almighty god of love be welcomed in this place let every heart adore and every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. Let every heart adore. Let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church today. We're delighted that you were here worshiping our great God and Savior Jesus Christ together today. If you're a guest, know we're especially delighted that you're worshiping with us. We'd ask you to tear the side off the bulletin and fill that information out and drop in the offering plate here just a little bit so we can learn a little bit more about you. Uh, right now we want to take a moment to say good morning, greet each other. So if you see someone you don't recognize, go say hello, and we're going to continue to worship together in just a moment. Find your way back towards your designated areas. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near, and I will fear no evil, for my God is with me, and if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear, whom then shall I fear? 
God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Lightning rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder. At the mention of your name, Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Creation, I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation, I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. come here and worship you and learn more learn more about you please bless all these tithes and offerings to further your kingdom in your name amen
for just a minute. All right, let's see. Any more coming, Tom? Uh, okay, never mind. Um, you guys are sitting down, and that's nice, but I want to ask you to do something for me. I want to ask you just to stand up. Stand up in a line, you know, like, like little soldiers, because today is March 4th. All right, so <laughs> stand up, make, make a line here. Yeah, was, sorry. All right. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play a game. You can help me out. Yeah. We're going to play a game uh, called Follow the Leader. I've done this with you before, but, well, I've done this with some of you before. Some of you are new. Some of, some of the guys that I did this with before have kind of grown up and kind of moved on out of the, the children's sermon. So to play Follow the Leader, we need to make a line front to back. So let's, let's work on this a little bit more. Hannah, you, you lead. You come over here. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's form a line. Come on. Come on, Brooklyn. Come on. Yeah, everybody just come on in. Form a line. All the way back here. All the way back here, okay? Come on down here. It'll be all right. Let's, let's, let's make a line. Now, uh, this is a little bit different. Follow the leader because I'm going to tell you what to do. Um, so, Hannah, you, you, start, you start walking, and everybody's going to walk, and you can just go all the way around the sanctuary, okay? So walk. Now uh, flap your arms like a bird. Let's see. Yep, yep. Follow the Everybody doing that? Good, good, good. Now, uh, because it is March 4th, we need to march like soldiers. Everybody march, march. Get your knees up. Good, and march. You don't have to flap your arms. This is not Simon Says. Uh, you don't have to keep flapping your arms. Just march. Good, good, good. Now, um, let's make sure everybody's head clears the little platform back there before we start skipping. Uh, how, about, how about you skip down this way? Can you skip? Good, good. Yep, skip. All right, you ready? Repent. Wait, wait, wait. Everybody stop. Everybody stop. I told you guys to turn around and go the other way, and nobody did it. I said repent. Yeah, that's what that means. So turn around now, and we got a new leader coming back this way. Can we, can we do that? Can you, can you walk around the sanctuary this way? Let's just try it. Let's see what happens. Come all the way back around. All right. Good job. Good job. All right. Let's try. Repent. Oh, you turn back around and come back this way. Good. Good. All right. Now, just... She's still skipping. I don't know how we're, we're still doing this or not. Just skip right on up here and have a seat. Just come on. You guys did a good job. Come all the way back up here and have a seat. You hear that? Yeah. They don't applaud when me or Pastor Brian walks in the sanctuary, so good job. Listen. The point of that, are you listening, was to try to teach you about Repentance. Because that's a, that's, that's a word in, that we see in the Bible. It's a word we talk about in church sometimes. And sometimes we think it means just saying I'm sorry. Okay? But it's more than that. Look, look right here. Listen. It means, it means a little bit more than that. It means that we turn away from the thing that we were doing. Just like I told you to repent and you turned and walked the other way. Well, the Bible talks about that if we have sin in our life, we repent from that. It means we turn away from that sin. And we, and we follow after Jesus. Okay? You, you think you understand it now? Whoop! Sit back down. Huh? 
this toy? All right, well, let's pray for it right now, and then you can go get it in just a second, okay? Have a seat. <clears throat> repentance, repentance is to turn away from something and follow something else. As far as when, what the Bible is concerned, we turn away from our sin and follow after Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to come in here in, in the sanctuary this morning. Um, God, thank you for these children. I thank you that we've, we've got this idea of repentance. Father, help us to really understand what that means and to live our life as a life of repentance, to follow after Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. If you'll please stand again. Savior, defender, 
was slain for us. Son of God and man, and you are high and lifted up. And all the world will praise your great name. Your great standing as we share God's word together this morning. We'll be in Jeremiah, the third chapter, the third chapter of the book of Jeremiah. If you're looking around and wondering where some folks are, uh, there are some additional guests in our nursery today. Uh, Dustin and Ashley are here together for the first time in, a, in quite a while. Uh, and so, uh, and the babies are in the nursery. And so uh, for the first time in church history, there's no shortage of nursery volunteers on a Sunday. <laughs> so uh, we're in Jeremiah, the third chapter, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 11. And the Lord said to me, Faithless Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree, and that you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless, is, return, o faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its timeliness and for how it instructs us, God, would you guide us this morning as we consider the words of your, of your text here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, be seated. Kevin, I want to brag on you too for that, that usher crew that you sent down today. Uh, I think there's a study that says that the better looking the usher crew, the more the offering is. And so today should be a record-breaking offering for the church, because that was one handsome group of ushers that we had here uh, better than some of the ugly mugs that get sent down here every once in a while. Uh, you know, one of the complaints that's often leveraged against God is that there's a lot of folks who look at the Old Testament and they see a God who looks very differently from the God that they see in the New Testament. Uh, and they act as if there's two different deities that are being worshipped in the pages of Scripture. Well, this opinion isn't new. As a matter of fact, it's something that's been around for quite some time. In the early church, there was a fellow by the name of Marcion. And Marcion was condemned as a heretic on numerous occasions. I didn't know you could be condemned as a heretic more than once, but he was. Uh, and he actually said that he, he actually promoted a, a view of, of um, instead of tritheism, ditheism. And that he said that there were two distinct gods, that there was a God of the Old and that there was a God of the New Testament. And Marcion decided to, to throw out a lot of scripture that, that he didn't agree with, so Marcion didn't believe the Old Testament. Uh, he really only believed the, the books of Luke and Act, he, Acts heavily redacted, uh, as well as the letters of Paul. That was the Marcion canon, and he was, of course, condemned as a heretic. Uh, he, he just read through the Old Testament and said that the, the character of this God of the Old Testament seems to be very different. And so anything that connected Jesus to the Old Testament, Marcion rejected. The problem with that view is that if you 
break the connection between Jesus and the Old Testament, then, then who is Jesus? Uh, what, what, what difference does Jesus make? If he's not the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, if he's not the fulfillment of the Messianic hope that's in the Old Testament, then, then, then what, what, what is he really? And though there are certainly differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and how God deals with his people between the Old and the New Covenant, we talked on Wednesday night about if you're reading through the Bible with us that, that you've, you've successfully gotten through the book of Leviticus. And aren't you thankful that we don't interact with God on the same terms as they had to in the book of Leviticus? Uh, otherwise, it'd be a bloody morning here today because you guys would have brought your lambs and your rams and your bulls and, and there'd be bloodshed here at the altar. Thankfully, the blood that was shed on the cross is sufficient and we no longer have to do that. And so we do know that there are differences between the old and the new covenants. But I firmly believe this, and the scriptures testify to this, that God's character hasn't changed. The book of Numbers, the 23rd chapter, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has, uh, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? God's character doesn't change over the course of time. God is steadfast in all of his ways. And simply because our interactions with him look differently today than they did thousands of years ago does not mean that God's character has changed at all. And when we look to the Old Testament, we are encountering the very same God that we see in the New he isn't some capricious deity waiting to zap us with lightning bolts as many other religions might agree. He is a God who extends grace, who extends blessings, who extends kindness to undeserved sinners over and over again. And aren't you glad that we serve a God who extends grace and kindness and patience to us over and over and over again? I can't count the number of times that I am indebted to the Lord for showing grace and kindness to me over again and over again. And let's be honest, the book of Jeremiah is filled with more than its fair share of gloom and doom. If you've read through the book of Jeremiah, you know that there's a lot of gloom and doom in that book. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pain and suffering that is revealed to us in the book of Jeremiah. But there are still hopeful themes that lie within its pages, even though it is filled with the gloom and doom that, that, is, that was so characteristic of this time in the people of God's history. We recognize that here within these pages, there is still this theme of hope, this theme of restoration, this theme of God not being finished with his people. And so today I want us to consider the fact that even in the midst of the tragedy of the people of God in the time of Jeremiah, that God still offers them the opportunity to turn back. Chapter 3 begins, and I would encourage you to go back and read all of chapter 3, but it begins with a fiercely worded critique of the idolatry of the people of God. And God compares them to uh, an, an immoral, adulterous woman. And depending on which version of the scriptures you're using, the language is, is, is in fact, very harsh uh, that God uses here. And the word zana is, is the Hebrew word for this adulterous woman, and it's used dozens and dozens of times in the Old Testament, and it is used to describe the infidelity of the people of God. You see, God treats his relationship with his people as a marriage covenant. That's how God looks at the relationship that he has with his people, that this is a marriage covenant. He is a faithful spouse while Israel is constantly seduced 
by other lovers, other deities, other idols who are begging for their attention. And matter of fact, the book of Hosea, the prophetic book of Hosea, is an entire book where God personally tells the prophet to marry a woman who is known for her immoral pursuits. The book of Hosea is not a story about the prophet Hosea who got into a marriage and and when he got married he figured out what was going on. He knew what he was getting when he joined into that relationship. He was entering into this relationship with a woman who was known for her infidelity. And Hosea is a heartbreaking story. He has children with this woman and he has to name the children names that that coincide with the, the characteristic of the people of God. One of the names of the children is Lo-Ami, which means not my people. Not my people. These, these names are a permanent reminder for the people of God that they have rejected the Lord. And Hosea is called by God to pursue her, to repeatedly pull her out of her unfaithfulness, to love her, only to see her return to the ways of her infidelity. In fact, when you look at the books of Jeremiah and Hosea, they account for 25% of the Old Testament's usage of this word. And so this is a theme that God keeps bringing back to the people of God through the prophets. Now, when we understand God's perspective on idolatry, we can certainly understand where his anger comes from. And I think we would believe that it is clearly justified. All you have to do today is look to a marriage that's, that's been broken up by adultery or infidelity. And you can see a glimpse of what this looks like. What If you've ever met a, 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 a husband or wife whose marriage has been devastated by adultery, you know that the spouse who was faithful, the, the faithful spouse, is angry. They're heartbroken. They're, they're, there's, there's devastation in their heart as the infidel has, has turned their back on the covenant relationship. The only difference uh, is that you need to look to a marriage today that's been affected on numerous occasions by adultery. And, and we all know, uh, you know, perhaps a couple that, that survived an instance, but a couple that survives over and over and over and over again, infidelity and unfaithfulness. Imagine that pain multiplied over the course of countless occasions of unfaithfulness. This is God's relationship, his marriage with the people of God. But this is not some foreign idea to us. You see, this idea of God being in a marriage relationship with his people, this is not some Old Testament idea that, that, that we lose. As a matter of fact, we certainly understand under the New Covenant that God sees his relationship between the church today and himself as analogous to marriage. The church is known as what? We are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 19 gives this incredible picture of this. In verse 6, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of a mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who were invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, God hasn't changed. His character is consistent. Even in how he pictures his relationship with his people, his character is consistent. 
In the Old Testament, he saw himself in a covenant marriage relationship with the people of God. He sees the same thing today. That we as the people of God, the church today, are in this covenant marriage relationship with the Lord. And I love this. When everything's said and done, when, when the books are closed, when the gospel is proclaimed to the uttermost parts of the earth, when the church is full, when the bride is at the maximum of her splendor and glory, and the bride is fully prepared, the book of Revelation chapter 19 says God does what? He throws a reception. Because that's what you do at the end of a marriage. At the end of a wedding, you throw a reception. You throw a reception. And God has this great and glorious marriage supper of the Lamb. Now to be fair... We sort of lose the significance of this relationship today thanks to the perversions and the redefinitions of marriage that occur today. We boil marriage down today to essentially pleasure and physical intimacy. It's what it boils down to over and over again. That's why there's a fight today because that's what it's been boiled down to. While we certainly rejoice in the fact that God has in his good wisdom and in his good place, he has given to us marriage as the place where there are certain expressions of affection that are to be limited, we need to recognize that marriage is not just about physical pleasure and intimacy, that marriage is about a covenant of fidelity between a man and a woman. Every single wedding that I have ever performed, there is an exchange of vows, and that exchange of vows that takes place is about a covenant faithfulness between partners. It is about a covenant agreement to be, to be faithful to one another, that you won't pursue after other interests or other pursuits. Every single wedding that I've ever done has that in common. There could be all sorts of differences. There could be different music and different elements of the service, but every single service I've ever performed has an exchange of vows where a husband and a wife agree to be faithful and, 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 and not pursue other interests. That's, that's consistent across the board. Regardless of health, regardless of income, regardless of interest, regardless of children, regardless of any of those things, a husband and a wife agree to be in a covenant, faithful relationship with one another. Well, guess what? Breaking those covenants are pretty serious. How many of you live in a, in a neighborhood with an HOA? Isn't that great, right? Isn't that wonderful? And you live in a neighborhood with an HOA, it's, you, it's said that you sign what? A covenant. That you would, in this, in this neighborhood, abide by the covenants that you agreed to. And guess what? Guess how serious those covenants are. If you don't fulfill your end of the covenant, what does the HOA have the right to do? Put a lien on your property. Try to sell your property with a lien on it and see how serious those covenants are. Right? And that's just... Because if you let your grass get too tall, or you've got too many weeds, or you did something, you parked a trailer in the yard, and you're not allowed to do that. That's how serious that covenant is. How much more serious should a covenant between a man and a woman to be in covenant faithfulness to one another, how much more serious should that be? This is why God uses this as an illustration for what our relationship with Him looks like. It is analogous to a marriage. Yet God's people break that covenant on a frequent and regular basis. Yet just like God tells Hosea the prophet to pursue Gomer again and again, in spite of the fact that she was going to go right back after other men, it was guaranteed. God pursues time and time again 
this covenant relationship with us. It's absolutely remarkable to think that God would care so much that he would pursue us in spite of our infidelity. When you look at chapter 3, though, you can't help but recognize that the word return appears frequently in those verses. The word is shub. It means return or repent. This is used over a thousand times in the Old Testament. This is the word in the Old Testament for repent or return. It's, it's very common in the Old Testament. In fact, nine of those occurrences take place right here in Jeremiah chapter 3. It's ten if you count the first verse of chapter 4. This is God's call to the people to return to their vows, to abandon their infidelity, and to come home. This is so precious to me because this word shows to us what God's heart is. God's heart for his people are that we come home, that we repent, that we leave our infidelity behind, and that we pursue a right relationship with him. This is God's heart, and this is the furthest thing from capriciousness or or being harsh. This is not who God is. It is an image of a God who desires a right relationship that is characterized by faithfulness to the covenant. God keeps his side of the covenant and we keep ours. It's it's how the relationship is supposed to work. But as much as he pleads with the people through the prophets in the Old Testament, those people do not return. They continue in their unfaithfulness and their infidelity and their adultery does not cease. And so when the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 3 confronts them about this, he is pleading with an adulterous spouse to please, please come home, please return, please repent. Yet their adultery doesn't cease. You know, repentance is not a popular idea today. You know why it's not a popular idea today? Because repentance demands, requires, that we acknowledge our own sinfulness. You don't get repentance without an acknowledgement of your own sinfulness. There are too many sermons and too many teachers today who have reduced the gospel to some sort of glorified self-help seminar. And while the Bible affirms over and over again we are wretched sinners without an ounce of righteousness, the modern mindset says that we are generally okay, good, and decent individuals who simply need a little self-esteem boost from time to time. Does that sound familiar? That's what the modern prophets of of postmodernism preach, is that we just need a little boost of self-esteem. We need to feel good about ourselves. It's like going to get a B12 injection when you're low on energy. Just go get a pick-me-up, and you'll be in good shape again, because you're good, you're righteous, you're generally okay, you just get a little down every once in a while, and that is not anywhere found in the Scripture. The scripture affirms and teaches over and over again that we are unrighteous, we are lost, and we are alienated from God. Well, guess what the gospel is? Without repentance, that's what the gospel does. You remember the four spiritual laws, Bill Bright's group, Campus Crusade for Christ, put the four spiritual laws out, and it's okay. But the first spiritual laws, you remember what the first spiritual law is? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who stop right there, right? If that's all you got, that's that's a good deal, right? I mean, what do you need? God loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life. You can hang all sorts of blessings on that phrase. 
You can hang all sorts of things on that, on that phrase. You've got to get to the second spiritual law before you recognize what the problem is. I would invert it. Because it doesn't matter that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life if you don't first recognize who you are and what your predicament is. You have no idea you need a God and that you need a relationship with God until you recognize how wretched and how pitiful your condition is. And that's what the second spiritual law says. We need to know what our condition is. We need to know what our problem is. We need to know what our sin issue is. And folks, guess what? We have a problem today. We have a problem today. We don't understand what repentance is. We have no concept of what this term means. means we think even in the church that repentance is simply behavior modification. That if I'll be good, that's repentance. If I could just be good, then that shows what repentance is. But let me say this. Repentance goes deeper than the actions in our behavior. Repentance is much deeper than just the things that you see on the surface. In our schools, we try to fill our kids' minds with character education. I heard where the American Family Association was challenging America's schools uh, to, to put on their school marquee the following phrase, Thou shalt not murder. And take a picture of that on their school marquee and post it on the internet. Isn't that something? We teach kids good sportsmanship. We teach them good work ethic. We teach them to, to try their best. We teach them that they've got value and they've got worth. But we hadn't taught kids the value of human life. We have a problem today. Because we think... We think that if we can teach our society, our culture, rules and regulations, if we can just restrain behavior, the whole time this is going on, we are missing the fact that we don't have a behavior problem. We have a heart problem. The problem is not the kid who gets the gun and goes to the school. The problem is the heart inside the kid that gets the gun and goes to the school. The problem is not the bully on the school playground who's picking on all the other kids. The problem is the heart of that kid on the school playground who's picking on all the other kids. We want to modify behavior, but men and women, we need to understand what repentance truly is. Repentance is not about having good character. Jesus said in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, bear fruit that is consistent with repentance. The behavior is the fruit of a heart condition. And fruits consistent with repentance look different than fruits that are not. Jesus is, Jesus is telling us that repentance is not the action. Repentance is the heart condition that gives birth to the action. Repentance isn't good behavior. It is the hatred of bad behavior that that then produces good behavior. It's a hatred of what is wrong with us. It is a hatred of our sin. Repentance isn't birthed by, by secular character education and training. Repentance is birthed by a recognition of our flawed condition and our unavoidable bent towards sinning. Parents, you can teach your children good behavior all day long, but before you can ever see behavior that you want to see, you have to get to the heart of the problem. 
And the only way to get to the heart of the problem is through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. There are some of you sitting in the church today who are doing everything in your power to behave. You're trying to behave. You, you know that there's, there, there's, there's good, good rewards come when you behave. If I just work hard in school, if I just work hard in my job, if I just keep it between the lines, I'll be okay. You're holding it all together at the moment. The wheels are on the pavement. But the reality is, is that you don't hate your sin. You don't hate your sin. You love the, the reward that comes from good behavior, but if you're honest with yourself, you don't hate your sin. And you know that at the first sign of trouble, at the first crisis, when the restraint is lost, that you will be drowning neck deep in a pit of sin and rebellion that you cannot get out of. And I firmly believe that the prophet Jeremiah's call to return or repent is just as applicable to you and I as it was to the wayward children of God 3,000 years ago. You have to stop trying to be good and recognize that you are not good. And when you recognize that you are not good, then you will understand that you have an undeniable need for a Savior whose name is Jesus. And I love that Jeremiah, he says this, <clears throat> he says this in verses 15 through 18 of chapter 3. This is looking forward to the day, and that we're living in part of this day today. He says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land in those days, declares the Lord, they shall no more say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind or be remembered or missed. It shall not be made again. There is coming a day that we don't need that anymore. At that time Jerusalem, he says, shall be called the throne of the Lord. And all the nations shall be gathered to it. To the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. In those days the house of Judah shall join the house of Israel and together they shall come from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers for a heritage. You see, God is looking forward to a day that the covenant promises to Abraham are fulfilled in total. And I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to the day that the covenant promises of Jesus are fulfilled in full when Jesus returns and sets up his reign forever and ever. Amen. And those of us who are in that marriage supper of the Lamb, we get to join Him in that great and glorious reign. I look forward to that day. And Jeremiah saw just a, a glimpse of what that must have looked like. He was given a picture of Jesus. There's no longer any need for the Ark of the Covenant because God's presence is not contained in the Holy of Holies any longer. The nations will gather to Jerusalem. It's no longer just for the Jews, but it's for everyone who has given up following their own evil heart and turned to follow the Lord. And Jeremiah is given a glimpse of the day when the marriage supper is finally celebrated and all of God's people, Jew and Gentile, gather together in the presence of our Lord and Savior forever and ever. Amen. There are those in this room today, if you're honest with yourself, you know good and well that you are still trying to manage 
your sin. But if you're honest, you know you don't hate your sin. You don't hate it. You sort of embrace it. You think you're a decent person, and I'm warning you today that you are in a dangerous, perilous spiritual predicament. The scriptures teach us over and over that God is patient with us, but his patience has one purpose, to lead us to repentance. Romans chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 tells us this, Do you not presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Listen to that. If you are continuing in your sin and your impenitent heart, you are storing up for yourself wrath on the day of God's judgment. In physics, they call this potential energy. When something is, is raised up higher, it generates more potential energy so that when it's released, it has more kinetic energy that's released upon the fall. You are storing up spiritual potential energy. This, this wrath is being stored up when you continue in your sin and rebellion and one day God's wrath is going to be released in a terror of kinetic spiritual judgment. That's what Paul is saying here. Yet in the midst of this warning is extended to us this offer that God's wrath against us has already been poured out on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His name is Jesus. The wrath that I had stored up for myself was poured out on Christ on the cross. And for those of you in the room today who still love your sin, who still have not embraced repentance, who've not given your life to Jesus, you need to know that the wrath that is stored up for you has been poured out on Jesus if you will receive it. Otherwise, it will call and fall on you one day. God help us on that day. I know that there are those here this morning who continue in their sin and their rebellion. And I cannot fathom for the life of me why you would choose to remain in your condition knowing that grace has been extended to you again and again with every breath you take and God looks at you and says, repent. Return. Then there are those in the room who hate their sin. But for whatever reason, we still like to toy with it. Anybody got that problem? I had the rare privilege of going to a lacrosse game on Friday night in Rome. And as we were leaving, we passed a shady-looking establishment with a flashing red neon light. Now, your, your pastor went into this establishment. Now, before you get too nervous about the scandal, <laughs> he took his family with him and met with a, one of our college students while we were there. Thankfully, they only sold donuts there. I have no doubt in my mind that I could sit down in that place with a box of a dozen hot Krispy Kreme donuts and eat every single one of them. There is no doubt in my mind that I could do that. And if you're honest, you probably could too. <clears throat> at what cost? Because I can guarantee you that the cost would be a lot more than what I paid for that dozen donuts. I know that if I were to sit down to a table that was filled with fresh vegetables, good protein, and a tall glass of water, 
that I would be far better off than if I sat down to that box of a dozen hot donuts. But that green and white box, you know what? It knows my name. And it calls my name with a, seduct a seductive voice of satisfaction. But that voice is ultimately masking a gross, piggish, gluttonous monster that is guaranteed to bring me to destruction. Though I may have been capable of feeding my sinful craving, the cost of doing so would have been too great. You know what? We treat sin the exact same way. We know that we may gain some temporary satisfaction by indulging, by sitting at sin's table, but at what cost? We find that our life is full of these broken cisterns that we talked about last week. And so instead of sitting at that table of sin, that broken cistern that never satisfies, that always leaves us thirsty, let us learn then as men and women of God to drink deeply from the never-ending fountain. Our life is refreshed by streams of living water from our Lord, so why in the world do we indulge flesh's desire to splash in the mud puddles? You know, I'm looking forward to the day when temptations no longer assail me. I'm looking forward to the day where that flashing red neon light's no longer a concern because there's a better table prepared for me. I'm looking forward to the day where there's a fresh river flowing through town that is always clean, it's always pure and always satisfies. I look forward to the day that I no longer have to pray like Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Can I tell you this? There's coming a day that you don't have to pray that anymore. There's coming a day where that prayer will cease and the only prayer we'll offer is the prayer of thanksgiving for our new home with the Lord. But in the meantime, let us pray faithfully just that prayer. But let us not just pray it, but put that prayer into action. Would you bow your heads with me today? Lord, thank you for the prophet's call to repentance. But Lord, let us heed the call and understand that it is deeper so much deeper than just right behavior, but that that call to repentance is a call for us to hate our sin, to understand that it is deadly, and to flee from it into the arms of our Savior Jesus. And so God, help me to keep my sin list short and my dependence upon you great. Lord, help me to recognize that, that that sin table is never satisfying. It may be exciting, but it always leaves me coming up short. Yet I know that there is a table prepared for me that is set by the king, and it is full of exactly what I need. It's always satisfying. It's always fulfilling. It's always for my good. Father, I pray for those in the room today who still love their sin. They try to be good. They've got their act together. You look at their life and you can't see a whole lot of blemishes. 
But God, they know if they look in the mirror of their heart right now, they see in the midst of that heart that they really still just kind of love it. And God, I pray that they would embrace this call upon their lives to turn from that, to hate that sin, and to cling to one who has showed them patience to this day. Oh God, let us heed the warning that if we refuse to take you up on the offer of grace, that we are storing up wrath, that there will one day in our folly be poured out upon us. God, the wrath has been poured out already on Jesus. Why would I not embrace that and receive that and cherish that today? So God, in these next few moments, would you move in the hearts of those who still cling to their sin? Not the Christian who struggles from time to time, but that lost person who still clings to their rebellion and knows that there is wrath waiting for them. God, would you move in their hearts and call them to faith in Jesus today? God, may we all hate our sin and love our Savior. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and have a time of invitation. I want to invite you today that if you are still that person who loves your sin and doesn't love Jesus, that today would be the day you'd put your faith and trust in Him alone. Uh, As you stand together, let's sing and respond as the Lord leads. Love
guys be seated for just a moment. You guys know Karen, Karen Hogan. She was, we pretended to baptize her a couple of weeks ago, but she actually baptized herself. Uh, she was so excited to be in that water that I could have just stand, stood back and just, uh, just watched. And so uh, uh, Karen's ready to make Northside her church home. She's completed our new member curriculum. And so, uh, so if you rejoice with uh, Karen becoming part of our church family, you let that be known by saying amen. amen. And, of course, no one's opposed to that. You guys thank or welcome Karen as uh, Paul's ready to. So, right? Uh, <laughs> so, um, Karen, you, stay, uh, you hang out up here for just a moment. Uh, you guys pay attention to your bulletin. Tonight's an interesting night because we have the uh, Grand Prix. Uh, so there's some discipleship classes that may be shuffled around. If you're in my class that meets in the sanctuary, we will not meet because I'm going to be daddy tonight instead of discipleship group facilitator. But the video for tonight is on the web. So if you need to, if you, I'd like for everybody who's in that class to go ahead and watch that video. I've got a link in my pocket that I can put in your hand so you can go watch that video tonight. But my class will not meet. Are you guys going to meet? So Brian's class is going to meet. Uh, but if you've got a kid who's racing a car, I think he'll give you an excused absence. So, uh, uh, so, but, uh, but, so just, just make sure you know what, what's going on tonight for your class. If you're in my class, you, you're excused tonight. You don't have to come tonight unless you've got a kid uh, racing a car. You want to come watch the excitement. So uh, I can't promise you NASCAR-like wrecks, but, uh, but I can promise you it's the most exciting Pinewood Derby you've seen this week. So... Uh, uh, I do believe that is all. Uh, the church conference that was supposed to be last week has been rescheduled for next Sunday. So that's in the bulletin, but uh, just to make sure that you're aware of that. Yes, sir? Uh, there was a meeting scheduled today for the folks who were on the special missions trip, but I would have canceled that because of what we had going on, and I will email you. Uh, so if you've already talked to me, if you haven't talked to me, I can't email you. That's true. Fantastic. So let's all stand together. Bill Bailey, you come dismiss us in prayer. You guys come by and love on Karen and welcome her to the family. And uh, we'll see you guys at the back. <laughs> 